And again, all morning long, we're celebrating outstanding educators, educators who are going the extra mile to teach their children and to make sure that they're having success in the classroom and beyond. For more information on the show, you can now like us on our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now, like us there now, and join the conversation there as well. And we would love to hear your stories about outstanding educators. My next guest is Akbar Cook. He is the principal of Westside High School in Newark, New Jersey. When he found out that 85% of his students were missing three to five days of school per month because they didn't have clean clothes and that they were being bullied, he did something about it. He built a laundromat in his school. His story has been featured on Ellen, CBS This Morning, and other news outlets. We're proud to have him here with us this morning. It's our pleasure to welcome Akbar Cook to the show. Good morning, Principal. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad that you guys have me on here. Thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Now, so let's start at the beginning. What made you decide to bring washing machines, you know, a laundromat to your school? Why was that necessary? Wow. So a lot of uh, my kids are going through some uh, some different obstacles. And, and one of the things that happened, I had a, a situation two years ago where a young lady was, um, she was coming in to get checked. And, you know, we check in the inner cities. I think they should check all in America. We, you know, we go through the metal detectors and stuff like that. And it was time to check her bag. And um, right when the security guard was about to go through her bag, she took a full bottle of water and she threw it at the security guard's face and this big scuffle ensued. And she started going into crisis and kicking things over. So I had to, you know, detain her and the police came. And while they was here, I, I found out what was going on. The cop came back and said, Cook, um, she had a bag full of dirty clothes and she was homeless and she was basically mm. fighting for a pride. She didn't want anyone to know. So since chills through my, uh, my spine every time I talk about it, because I'm supposed to be their protector and I didn't even know she was made up beautifully. She had, uh, you know, hair and nails done. Everything was like good, but that was all a facade. She was, she was homeless and wasn't staying with anyone and she didn't know what to do. So, um, that started me on a campaign and saying, I got to remove that barrier for my kids that may be like her. Mm-hmm. Then it, it got worse. The students started bullying some of the students that were, that, that were uh, coming in, you know, not clean and having dirty clothes. And they started putting stuff on Instagram and Snapchat and Facebook. Now, obviously we're going, we, it's a whole harassment, intimidation and bullying thing to take care of the, you know, the uh, offender. But what about the, what about the kid that was in trouble? I mean, that needed our help. So I um, reached out to a local energy company here called PSC&G, and they uh, gave me a $20,000 grant. Probably the worst grant I ever wrote in my life, but they, they <laughs> felt the need and the cause, right? So we secured the funds. So, so I went looking in the sky on my building, and I found the locker room. And in the locker room, the football locker room, they had a, a combo washer and dryer thingamajig back there. And I was like, you know what? I found it because it's already venting out, and that's going to be the problem. We just need to vent out. So I kicked the football team out. <laughs> and uh, gave them another dig. I'm, I mean, I'm a sports guy, so I gave them I gave them two another locker rooms, and it's been a, a roller coaster ride ever since. So, the, I mean, just the love that's been pouring in from all over the world. It's, it's countries I can't even pronounce that have been sending uh, items to my babies, and it's just been amazing. Tell us about the student population that you serve, and let's talk about some of the issues your students face outside the classroom that become barriers to their success inside the classroom. Tell us about that, because that is an issue. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. We are 100% 
free and reduced lunch, that means 100% of my students probably coming from a, a, a situation where their parents may not have. You take that into account, then you take in the fact that a lot of my kids are transient, and you got kids that may be, you know, less than 2.5 miles away that they got to walk to school, but those kids got to navigate through the gangs. We're riddled with gangs in my city, and you just living in a, a part of the your neighborhood will make you affiliated with that gang. So if you try to walk through by Robin's house, the Robin house is another gang. So you have to navigate through there. So a two block trip can be 10 blocks. So you avoid getting robbed or beat up or, you know, or, or worse. So they have to do just a journey to and from school is a, a barrier for them. I have to try to do my best to remove it because I'm all they, most cases I'm all they have. All right. So let me ask you this now. Let's back up here for a minute. Um, you talked about homelessness for one young lady, but why didn't students have access to clean clothes in your school? Um, I think, and this is the thing I think with America and maybe other countries, I, I believe the child services, protective services, they tend to worry about the elementary kids and the middle school kids more than they care about the high school kids. Let me tell you why. Let let that let that elementary kid come in with a bruise or looking disheveled or dirty. It's automatic. It's, it's, it's automatic reporting. They remove the kid from the home or anything like that. The high school kid, there's none of that going on. So that same parent may allocate all the funds and all the resources to the babies because they know they're going to be reported if they don't and let the high school kid go by the wayside. So it's, 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 it's several factors. It's not one, just one thing. Like before school even opened, when soon as I got the job here this year, they, let, they alerted me that I have eight students that were homeless. Didn't tell me who they were. Or just say you have eight uh, eight homeless students. Like so, so what now? I have to do like I have to do. Where's Harry? Like you know what I mean? Like I, right. how do I find them out? So I just treat them all like they all homeless or they all need me. And then you can possibly take care of that kid that's so profitable that they probably won't even come to you and tell you their situation. So it's it's it's, it's bigger than me. It's, oh. it's a lot, man. And in case you're just tuning in this morning, all morning long, we're talking to outstanding educators who are doing innovative things in the classroom and beyond educating students in non-traditional ways, thinking outside of the box. For more information on the show, you can like us on our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now and like us there now. You'll find out all about our guest, Akbar Cook. He is the principal of Westside High School in Newark, New Jersey. When he found out that 85% of his students were missing three to five days of school per month because they didn't have clean clothes and they were being bullied for that. He decided to make a change. He found the funding, wrote a grant, and built a laundromat in his school. Now, Mr. Cook, you grew up in this same neighborhood. How much of yourself do you see in your students? Wow. I did grow up uh, a single a single mom household. My grandmother and my aunts was there to, to make, you make sure that I stayed stayed the course. Um, I see a lot of them in me. I see the athletes that, that, you know, I, when I was in school, I just, you know, I was a bright kid, but I coasted and I, and I see that in them as well. I wasn't as impressionable as these kids. The music is just so, so just disheartening sometimes. And they, and they think that's the, 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 the those become their heroes, these rappers and these, you know, these, these uh, athletes. But, you know, at one point in time, I, I feel like I was them cause I'm from this area. But I had outlets to expose me to other things. I had a Boys and Girls Club. I had the Deltas. And they took us on college trips so I can be exposed to you know, historically black colleges. I had those resources. These babies don't have that. Yes, I see myself. They are me. They sound like me. They look like me. They are me, but it's a different time, and it's, and it's scarier these days. So let me ask you this. All morning long, I've been hearing you call your students your babies. Is that something that you commonly do? 
Absolutely. Um, locus parentis uh, means in the event the parent is not there, that I'm their parent. I call my own sons my baby. So these biolog- non-biological kids are my babies as well. And, and they feel it. I mean, even though the 19 to 20 year old, you're my baby. Like until like you can't still, you can show me a grandparent. They're going to call my grandma. still call me her baby. So why mm-hmm. would I stop? I want them to know that love. And, and, and not only just in talking about it, just being about it, like they really can call me for anything. And if I can remove the barrier, I would. And they know that. So they're my babies. And I, I don't I don't envision me stop saying that. OK. So, yes. So let me ask you this now. You touched on this, but I want to talk more about your lights on program. Tell me about that program and what you guys do through that program, Mr. Cook. OK, so kind of scary when I first got the job here at Westside High School. First of all, Westside High School was always like the Bermuda Triangle of schools. Like, people go in and don't come back out. It was, like, scary. It was, like, really scary. So when we got the news that we was going there, it was like the it was like a Hitchcock film. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> I, I was, like, scared. And I'm a big dude, right? Right. So, so prior to us opening the building, and not to be too graphic, they found one of my baby girls, 15-year-old girl, shot and uh, murdered and left in an abandoned building. Never to downplay losing boys, but where we at in America when you we killing little girls, right? So so that sent shockwaves through me and just wow, this was a heavy lift. And then you go into the building, it's riddled with gangs. And I'm talking about scary, just walking in the hall. Like I felt like I was in training day, like when they just dropped Denzel off there. I was like, mm-hmm. What in the world? But after you figure out that listen, the gangsters don't come to school. Like this think about it. the gangsters the, the total look they family in the eye and said, Man, this is it for me. If someone if that kid is in school He's scared of somebody, meaning grandma or mom. So once you get to that, like, now your grandma sent you to school, boy, get your butt in class. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, you realize that they're human and they just, you know, a victim of, of the environment. That's how we maneuvered. But during that year, I kept losing kids. I lost two more that year. I lost one during the school year and another one in the summer. So I lost three kids my first year on the job here. And I remember that summer just listening like a police scanner to Facebook. They have a thing called RLS Media where it reports what's going on in my neighborhood. So anything that was going on was either done to my kids or my kids done it. So I was like, listen, I can't go another another summer like that. So a year went by, we started stabilizing the school, but then summer was rapidly approaching. And I'm saying, listen, I can't, I can't do this again. So I went to my alumni association and I said, listen, let's create a boys and girls club type feel. Let's call it lights on. Why lights on? Because, Every school in America, the lights on. No one cuts the lights off. I don't know who's paying these light bills. When you drop by wherever you at in Cincinnati, there's a school with all the lights on. Right. I don't know why teachers don't cut the lights, whatever. But I'm like, let's put some loving people in there and love kids, and let's give them some enrichment activities. If we can sneak and give them some, uh, some, some credit opportunities, let's do that as well. So we opened it up. And in, in the first day, I didn't know what I was going to get. I thought I was going to get all middle school kids. The first day, I had 40, I had 40 people come out. I had like 25-year-old gangbangers. I had 10-year-olds. I had eight 40-year-olds with their families. So I was like, wow. At least, at least I know it was, a, it was a place for it. And then we started averaging about 150 to 200 people a night. We're feeding them these amazing meals. And everything was cool on my side of town. I mean, it was beautiful. Like, no crime. I'm talking about no deaths, anything. And then the last day, one of my baby girls, she came here, gave me high five, got some ice cream, went home, and then she was killed by a straight bullet at 12 a.m. that night. So it was like, wow, I got to open up my building again with the death of another girl. So that was four kids I lost in the first uh, two years. So I, I said, listen, I went back to the alumni. I said, we got to do something during the school year. We can't wait the summer to save them. Let's do something during the school year. So now we call it during the school year. It's called Friday Night Lights On. So on Fridays, we just do 6 to 11. 
And again, we feed them like fish fries, you know, all these cookouts, macaroni and cheese, just great food. And and you wouldn't believe it, man. Kids come here just to eat and just to have a good time. So it's like a party now. And I average about three fifty a night. The most I had was five hundred kids here. And like I said, we take care of them all, and, and it's been no acts of violence, and I haven't lost any more kids of gun violence since we started running it during the school year. So that's something I'm definitely proud about. All right. Now, a few weeks ago, you were invited to be on the Ellen Show. You know, who called you? Did Ellen call you? The producers call you? And what was that whole experience like for you? Because that had to be pretty amazing. That was, it was an amazing, amazing. When I got the call, you need you're like, yeah, right. You know, when we first get the call, they talk to you on the phone, like, nah, send me something, let me research you. Like, after doing my research, I said, oh, wow, this is real. There's some validity to it. It was a beautiful part. Her staff is amazing. They came out here on site. We filmed the little the piece, the segment that you've seen, the uh, set-up package, and mm-hmm. they got to witness it firsthand what my kids are going through. Uh, uh, someone died. Someone got killed, uh, like, two blocks down, uh, right at dismissal. Like, right when I was about to dismiss, the cops called me and said somebody that was killed in a drive-by shooting turns out to be the brother of two of my babies that was here. So it was that close. And Ellen, the folks at Ellen, the producers and, the you know, the camera crew got to see it. Like, no, I'm, what we're talking about is real. I'm not Chicago, but we, we're not, we're not uh, Pleasantville either. Once you, got to the, once you got to the show, what was that like? Wow. It was scary. It was the most, it was the scariest thing I've ever done and the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. Even though they treated me like a king, and, but it was still scary. When you hear Ellen out there talking, you about to come out, man. I'm like a ball player. So I'm like getting the basketball jitters and stuff. And it's like, <laughs> man, you don't want to mess up, and you just want to you want to get your message out. Like you don't want to waste an opportunity. Like there's nothing, no one's hiding than Ellen at this point. So it was like you don't want to to to, to ruin that opportunity. So it, all that all that anxiety came into one, but it made out for an amazing interview, and I've, we've been rolling ever since. All right, good. Thank you for taking time to talk to us. If our listeners, if they would like to find out more about you or if they would like to help with the laundromat, if they would like to just find out more, what can they do? They can go to, uh, we, we did a one-stop shop for help. And uh, you, you can mentor a kid, even from Cincinnati, just check in with them or, or her. You can help out with Donuts Chews. You could uh, you hit the registry on uh, Amazon. So it's one-stop shop. It's called uh, friendsofwestside.org. So friends of Westside, you got to spell out Westside. You know, do the www.friendsofwestside.org, but everything is up there. You got more information about lights on. Like, it's just one stop shop, friendsofwestside.org. And, uh, or you can just call the school, man. I'm at Westside High School in North New Jersey. You're awesome, man. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. Well, thank you for having me. I truly appreciate it. Again, we've been speaking to Akbar Cook, principal of Westside High School in Newark, New Jersey. Well, that's it for our look at outstanding educators, educators who are doing innovative things in the classroom and beyond. We all thank you for everything that you're doing for our young people. Well, that's it for this edition of Sunday Morning Magazine. Again, more information about the show or to join the conversation, you can go to our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. We would love to hear from you. Well, that's it for this edition of the show. I'm Rodney Lear. Until next week, be encouraged.